1: Everyone, I'm Chris Ronzio. Welcome back to Playbook 2021, where you're getting a bonus after play session with the one and only Gino Wickman. Now, you probably know Gino from you know his episode on my podcast a few months ago. Maybe you've read Traction or one of his other six books that have sold over a million copies. You've probably heard of EOS Worldwide, which has helped over 130,000 businesses around the world implement the entrepreneurial operating system in their companies. But today, what we're going to be talking about is a very special part of his new book, Entrepreneurial Leap. So Gino, thank you for being here
0: again. Thank you. Hello, Chris. And hello, everyone out there. I am so looking forward to how we're going to focus on this very narrow topic today. So I I, I can't wait to dive in.
1: All right. So Gino, when we brainstormed about this a couple of weeks ago, I told you that this playbook audience is full of people that are at all different stages of their entrepreneurial journey. And what we wanted to focus in on was one particular part of your book, which you call glimpse. And really, it's about understanding the vision or the context for what you're trying to build. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And so, you know, I'm a fanatic about context. So I appreciate you starting there. And just to zoom out a little further, you know, the gist of the book is to help you start a better startup, first confirming whether or not you even are an entrepreneur, showing you a glimpse of the life which lights you up, and then a path to become successful. And so I love your idea, because what we're going to do is focus on glimpse, like you said, but even deeper into that, we're going to just focus on one part of glimpse, uh, which is a subject I'm pretty passionate about, because what I personally believe philosophically is that You know, not every entrepreneur is built to build every every business. I believe we are drawn to a certain type of business as entrepreneurs. And my goal in this sliver of the book is to help you out there as an entrepreneur know the perfect business for you. Because if you start the perfect business for you, your odds soar that you will succeed. And sadly, some of you out there, you have taken a leap. You've started a startup in a business that you should not be in this business Um, And so with that said, I might break a heart or two, but I think I'm going to save you (laughs) 10 years of hell and get you on the right path. So yes, that is exactly what's about to happen. And so let's let's dive in.
1: All right, perfect. So I know when you were building US Worldwide, you were doing these full day sessions with almost 150 different businesses, right? Close to 2000 of these sessions. I was doing similar kind of consulting back before Trainual. And one of the exercises I always did was trying to just wrap my head around what kind of business is someone building. And it was funny because some customers, some clients would just want to work 20 hours a week and pick their kids up at school and and another client that I had wanted literally an underwater city like he wanted to build Atlantis and and be a a trillionaire and that is a very different context
0: exactly
1: right so so I'm going to start with just reading a quick excerpt from the beginning of this section of the book because I think it sets it up well so it says whether you want to create a $50 million heating and cooling company with a hundred employees that focuses on residential customers, a $500,000 marketing firm with five employees whose clients are companies that focus on selling products to women, or the next publicly held billion-dollar unicorn tech company with tens of thousands of employees, these and many other options are all available to you. And like you said, it's just picking what you're drawn to, right?
0: Exactly. And And so again, go into context, as we talk about all of your options out there for a business to start, it's, it's really three simple things. It's deciding the industry you're drawn to. It's deciding the type of business within that industry you're drawn to. And it's deciding the size that you're drawn to. And so we're about to go deep into each one of those three things and, and so I just hope to get your gears turning out there. But short answer is yes. And with that said, if you're ready, we can start with industry.
1: Let's dig in. So when someone is running a business, maybe they just fell into an industry or it's something that they were personally good at themselves. I mean, where do you start here? Do you just go through your interest? Do you throw a dart? Do you look for opportunities? Where should someone start?
0: Yeah. And and so I'm a big believer in context and creating awareness. And so where you start is hyper-focusing on what you and I are about to talk about for the next 20 minutes. Because if I can create a context in your brain out there and create awareness for you, you just get to work with this awareness and you're going to figure out what you're drawn to. So, you know, however old you are, if you're 18 years old out there, you have like, 70 good years left okay so you got time and even if you're 50 you've got like 30 good years left so you have time to figure out what you're drawn to and so if you screw up pick the wrong one it's okay it's a learning experience so awareness and context so where you start is with that And and then there's a tool on the website, e-leap.com, which you're gonna talk about. And let's save uh, going deep into that tool until the end and when we create this context. But I created a tool that you just go to the website, 20 minutes, click a bunch of buttons and out pops the perfect answer for you. And so you wanna start there as well, but don't do that until we create this awareness for you. And so starting with industry, What's important to understand is that there are hundreds of industries to choose from. And, you know, everything I teach, I tend to, you know, teach what I needed the most. And when I was 25 years old, I I look back and I can't believe how ignorant I was. Ignorant doesn't mean stupid. (laughs) Ignorant means uninformed. And with all due love and respect to a lot of you out there, you're uninformed right now. You don't realize this world that is your oyster and all these opportunities. And so in the book, I list over 50 industries. You can do a Google search on industries. You'll find hundreds to choose from, but this is where you and I have something in common because what I learned fortunately in my early thirties is the industry I'm drawn to is education, training, helping, teaching. And so I love to teach people. And so the industry I'm going to spend the rest of my life in is the education industry, the learning industry. And obviously that's what you do. You teach and coach and consult with your clients. I do the same thing with my clients. So lots of industries to choose from. That is the one that I chose. And so I'll hit the pause button there and see what that prompts for you and see how deep you want to go into that.
1: Yeah. So if someone is just starting out and maybe hasn't experienced a lot of industries, what do you recommend? Should they get a few internships and poke around, figure out what they don't like?
0: hundred percent, because that's my point about when we finish this conversation and they have context and awareness, just go to work, just go work for companies, try things intern, absolutely. But again, when you fill out my biz match, you might click on four different industries that really excite you. Yeah, go work in those four industries. Like I said, on average, out there, you have 50 good years left, you know, go play around in different industries until you find one. Some of you are going to hit it right out of the chute. Some of you are going to go start a business in that industry and nail it. Some of you are going to bounce around between five different industries for the next five years. And that's okay too. just move forward, just do stuff, try stuff. Go to work.
1: It's amazing how many micro industries there are that you don't even know about until you just stumble into them, like, you know, making zippers or, you know, somebody I I worked with someone once that made hoses that pest control companies spread their chemicals out of. You don't even think that that's an industry that someone dominates, but there's tons of stuff out there.
0: Yeah. And that gets to my point about my ignorance. I'm 25 years old. I'm in this family business and I'm thinking that's the only thing that exists. And all of a sudden, when I saw it all, it was like, wow, there's so much opportunity
1: so, you know, I've, I've worked with companies in the past, too, that have dove into an industry that they know zero about. Do you think that that is an opportunity? Is, is being naive about an industry, kind of looking at it from new eyes a good thing? Or do you recommend people jump into something that they know inside and out?
0: It's a little bit of both because ignorance is bliss. You know, sometimes when you go into an industry that you know nothing about, You see it different than the people that have been in that industry for 30 years, and you tend to be the ones that disrupt and revolutionize that industry. So I think it's okay to go in blind. You know, it's when I was... um when I was 21 years old, I really thought I wanted to go into the travel industry and I was going to open a travel agent and I went and worked for that travel agent and I sold travel for 6 months and I hated it. It was it's a low margin business. I mean it's just brutal. And so but at least I got that incredible experience for 6 months and realized, "Check, that's not the industry for me." And I just kept Finding my way, you know, so yeah. So whether you know the industry or you don't, if there's something in your gut, and I beg you out there, listen to your gut, your gut is always right. Just try it. And absolutely, if you know nothing about it, go learn it for two, three, four, five years.
1: Believe it or not, I once had a company called Ronzio Travel because I was trying to do the same thing. A friend told me I could write off my travel expenses if I owned a travel company. And I thought, hey, let's do that. That sounds Uh,
0: great. 1% (laughs) margins. I mean, it's just brutal.
1: Yeah, it was bad. So, okay. So that's the industry there. Like Gino said, is a great list on his website, e-leap.com. We'll talk more about that later, but the first thing is just exposing yourself to all these opportunities to figure out which ones you might want to research more about or kick the tires on. So let's right. say that someone comes across an industry that they like, whether it's new to them or not, what's the next step to the right type of business?
0: Yeah, perfect. And, and again, you're going to see, I, I can't remember the number, but somewhere between 50 and 200 industries in my biz matches are clicking away. And so again, If you can pick up to 10 if you want but again see what you're drawn to now all of a sudden again that's industry now we go to that that second piece which is types of businesses so within every industry there are now three types of businesses and we're going to again see what you're drawn to here and so the first thing you have to decide is are you a product entrepreneur or are you a service entrepreneur those two businesses could not be more different from each other. And you just have to decide what you're drawn to because in every one of those industries, there's product businesses and there's service businesses. And again, I'll always use me as an example, maybe a few of my clients. And I would love for you to share your experience to yeah. really give our audience a breadth of thoughts. But but what I would start with is I'm a service entrepreneur. I have utter disdain for products. That doesn't make products bad because I have tons of clients in product businesses. I just, when I look at a million dollars in inventory on the shelf, I get the, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. It just like freaks me out. So so I love selling the invisible intangibles. And so I'm drawn to the service industry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm selling services to my clients. So typically a service business, you know, is charging by the hour, charging by the project. So they're charging a fee for their services. And, and, and a great example is when I took over the family business, I did a big turnaround in the first three years, and the family business was literally in five different businesses. And so I had to spin off a couple of those businesses to get the business back to its core. And, and I, this hit me recently that one of the things I did is I spun off all of our product distribution, And what I realized is I did that because of my utter disdain for it. So not Hmm. that that was the best decision. It was the best decision for me as an entrepreneur, but a different entrepreneur might decide to stay in the product business because they love product distribution. I wanted out of it. And I didn't put two and two together until just recently. And that was, you know, almost 30 years ago when I did that. So the point is, I trusted my gut and that's what I was drawn to or drawn away from. And so you got to start to decide what kind of business do you love? And so I'll pause there and see what that prompts for you.
1: Yeah. So being in different mastermind entrepreneur groups, does it seem like the grass is always greener? Like when you're doing services, you're envious of the product companies. And when you're shipping product, you're like, oh, if I could just show up and not have inventory.
0: Yeah. And by the way, it's it's, the grass is always greener in every category because, you know, here in Southeast Michigan, I've taken 135 clients through EOS, through the EOS process. And what I love is when one client is talking about another client, they're telling me how, oh, I wish I was in their business. It's so simple. And I'm their EOS implementer. And I know that business intimately. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew. (laughs) And I can't disclose because of confidentiality what goes on there. I have not found an easy business yet. But yes, every entrepreneur thinks that other business is easier because they're looking at it from the outside. So absolutely 100% true.
1: So I've, I've kind of found myself stuck in the middle with my video company. We were a service business, but we shifted into selling DVDs and downloads of events. And we monetized the service through the sale of the products. And so we would show up and, and now it's kind of similar with Trainual where we've got a software as a service. So it's a product that we're providing, but it, it's a service in a sense. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck in the middle, but I haven't been able to do either one purely and succeed.
0: Yeah. And and again, for you, and again, I'm looking at your face, you're going to be around at least 50 more years. So you, so you've got some time to figure that out. I would urge you, you just have to be aware because, you know, even in the business I'm in, you know, there we're moving products in the business that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I sell a lot of books, which is a product. But what I do is for lack of a better term, I outsource that I went and found Mm -hmm. a publisher that handles printing and distribution and storage and fulfillment when I was self-published for the first three years, I did all that and I hated it. So I couldn't wait to get out of it. I literally gave up two to three times the revenue and profit on those books because I wanted out of it so bad. But if Mm -hmm. I loved products, odds are pretty good. I would have stayed in that book distribution business, be making more money on each book, but it's not for me. On the other hand, another product entrepreneur would say, I love looking at all those books on the shelf and moving all those books. So again, it's a choice. And so you just got to keep checking your gut. What gets you most passionate? What's what seems the simplest for you? What is the most fun to you? Anyway.
1: No, I, I love that tip. And, and I think for anyone listening, you know, I had breakfast with a friend yesterday that is the president of a product line within a big company. But what they're they do is is all products and the Broader company offers services, but he is specialized on this thing because he's so good at it. And so I think anyone listening here can take that away that there is a way to delegate or partner or find someone to do the parts that you don't want to do so that you can stick purely in one of these two things.
0: Exactly. And that goes for both. You could outsource the service, you could outsource the product. So it's really important to know. And then also, what's important to know is there are businesses that are absolutely both product and service businesses. Mm -hmm. It's just the only thing I would suggest is your business is more complex when it does both. So you can pull it off. It's just a level of complexity. And it's going to be much less complex, much simpler, if you just focus on one or the other, because they are two completely different types of businesses. So just be aware.
1: Perfect. Okay, so what other aspects of the type of business should we talk about?
0: Yeah. And so now we've covered product or service and let's pretend you've made that choice. So now you know your industry, you're starting to get clear on the business and what type. So you're going to go to product or service. Now you have to decide within product or service, are you a B2B business or a B2C business? Are you business to business or are you business to consumer? Two completely different marketing and sales processes. So do you love selling to businesses or do you love selling to consumers? Are you more of a client business or are you more of a customer business? Again, always using me as the example, I'm a client business kind of a guy. I love intimate relationships with a handful of clients. And so at any given time as an EOS implementer, I've got 20, 25 clients that I know well, it's a very intimate relationship and they pay me a lot of money. That's the kind of relationship that I'm drawn toward. Just as quickly, you might love having thousands of customers. And so I have a great client and we would have this fun debate because he has utter disdain for intimate relationships with clients and loves having thousands of customers. I love having intimate relationships and it freaks me out to think of how, how do I see 10,000 people? I, it's like overwhelms me. Again, we're all different. And so you just have to decide because like I said, the, the sales and marketing process for businesses and for consumers are very, very different And you just need to understand that selling to the CEO of a corporation is very different than selling to a stay-at-home parent. Okay, And Mm -hmm. so if you understand that, you got to decide what you're most drawn to.
1: See, as you're talking through this, I'm realizing why my first business was so complex, because not only was it a mix of product and service, we had both organizations that we were selling to to be at an event for the coverage. And then we had the, the parents that we were selling the DVDs to and <laughs> tens of thousands of customers calling our customer support lines. And so you're 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 explaining why I had so much stress in my first business.
0: Here, here. <laughs> you know, I have a client that sells language learning software to librarians. You know what I mean? So like so that's mm-hmm. the perfect example of selling this service. Their end user is a librarian. That's B2B, by the way, but that, that's just if you understand that focus and that target market, there's a certain way you market and sell to a librarian, which is different than how you sell to, you know, uh, an 18 year old teenage woman or anyway, so you get the point. You got to decide what you're drawn to and get really good at it.
1: So if you sell to a ton of people right now, is there any exercise to say like, who do I like selling to? Which of these customers should we focus on?
0: Yeah. And and with that, you know, so that's pulling a little EOS content into this conversation when you're trying to decide your target market. And so that's what we call it. You got to figure out who your ideal customer is. We call it demographic, geographic and psychographic. Who are they? Where are they? What are they? And so just getting really clear on what is the demographic of your ideal customer what is the geographic? Where are they? What's the reach that you're going to go? Is it your city? Is it the state? Is it the country? Is it the world? And then psychographic is the most important. And that's describing your target market. How do they think? What do they appreciate? And so really then appealing to those three things and speaking their language. Mm-hmm. What it also forces you to do is realize to your point, if If your target market is 7 billion people, eh, there's a pretty good chance that you're probably way too um, unfocused. And so my urging is to try and narrow in on as tight of a target market as possible and then put all of your energy dollars and focus on that target market and you will absolutely sell more.
1: So then as you narrow down, another way to narrow is of course what you charge, right? So talk us through how you position your product or service based on the price.
0: Yeah, for sure. And now you're going right to the third part of type of business. And again, you got two choices here. You're either high price or low cost. High price, low volume or low cost, high volume. So again, using me as the example, I want to be the highest price in town. I want to be providing the highest value. I want to be the most expensive guy. So that's my style is just high quality, high price, High value. Then there's low cost, high volume, commodity based, both work, but it's really hard to do both in the same business. Some do. It's really, really hard. I'm guessing you're about to tell me you've done both too, because you pretty much (laughs) said you've done both of everything so far. Who knows? We'll find out. But what I'm saying is, you know, I have a client, they sell light bulbs, they sell light bulbs for pennies. So they make pennies in profit, but they sell millions of light bulbs and they love the business that they're in. I'm not knocking either one. Again, you got to decide what you're drawn to. Um, But that particular business, they're the cheapest price in town. They're competing on price with thousands of light bulb companies all over the country and they love it and they do very well and they make their pennies and generate lots of profits. So again, what are you drawn to? But those are the two types, high price, low cost.
1: These are also interconnected because based on the price, you're going to attract a different type of customer and it's got to be the type that you're passionate about, right?
0: Exactly right.
1: And so B2B could be low price, high price. B2C could also be low or high, but you could attract very different kind of businesses in a B2B sort of company based on being low cost or high priced.
0: And that's what's really important. Again, we're talking about context and creating awareness. So you got all these industries, then you got these types Product service. Again, let's take certain within service. Absolutely. You can be high price. You can be low cost. You have that choice. You can be selling to consumers. You could be selling to businesses. So yes, all of a sudden, you're going to start to see this world of opportunity and all these options for you. And again, you're just deciding what you're drawn to because you get to choose in every industry, in every business, one or the other.
1: Now, this is an area where I don't think I've ever done both at the same time, but I've definitely evolved over time. And so for someone that has an existing business, maybe it's not working so well and they're taking this macro step back, you know, can each of these areas evolve? Can you reinvent yourself across these dimensions?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I'd say yes, but this is where, and again, I'm I'm trying to not harp on context and awareness so much, but again, if you get the context and awareness, we have solved 95% of the questions, issues, problems. And so the short answer is yes, because when you get this and you're faced with what you're saying and it's time to reinvent. So let's pretend all of a sudden you're selling buggy whips and the world doesn't need buggy whips anymore. Okay, so that <laughs> happened in the last 100 years. So so all of a sudden, you got to decide, am I going to stay in this industry and just change the type of business? Am I, Or am I getting out of this industry and going into a brand new one? You, now that you understand the context and you understand the awareness, you get to pick. And that's the beauty of, again, like I said, two years into trying something, you're going to say, you know what? I hate everything about products. I love this industry. I love this business. I love working with consumers, but I hate products. So I'm going to shift to services because services. So yeah, now all of a sudden it's just levers you're pulling that are that tie to you and what you're drawn to and what you're built for. The,
1: the reason I love this conversation so much is because even existing entrepreneurs that are running a business and complaining about some aspect of their business probably could benefit from just stepping back and asking himself all these questions that you're posing. You know, it's yeah, like, and,
0: please go ahead. you e.
1: You can reinvent yourself anytime and make your
0: life better. But yeah, so as you're saying this, it's like my energy is building because I'm like, yes, that's exactly the point. Because right now there's somebody listening that went, that's why I'm miserable. You know, I'm, I'm pretty freaking smart. I've got the six essential traits. I'm an entrepreneur, but I hate everything about this business. You just had your light bulb moment. You're just in the wrong industry. You're just in the wrong type of business. So that's exactly it. And you get to now reinvent yourself and, and figure out the perfect industry and type of business for you. Okay.
1: So we've covered industry. We've covered type. Take us
0: home. There's one yeah. more area, right? So size, and this is probably the one I'm most passionate about because building a billion dollar tech unicorn is not the only option as an entrepreneur. And that's what the world is being sold. <laughs> okay. So it's like, that's an option and it's not the option for of all entrepreneurs. So some entrepreneurs should go build a billion dollar company with tens of thousands of people, but there is nothing wrong with building a wonderful $3 million jewelry company with seven people. Okay. So, so the point is size, revenue size, employee size, not every entrepreneur is to build billion dollar companies. And so again, using me as the example, 50 to 200 people has always kind of been my sweet spot. When it gets close to 200 and beyond, I I can't touch and feel and see and know all the people anymore. So I just don't like it. So Mm -hmm. it's why I sold EOS Worldwide three years ago, because we were closing on that 200 mark. And I was like, this isn't fun to me. The family business was 50 people. And as that started to grow, I decided, let's stay in this sweet spot. So I don't want, I have no interest in owning a company with 1,000, 10,000 employees. But some of you out there do. Some of you out there just need two employees. Some of you out there shouldn't have any employees. So (laughs) just know that. So, so, So think of the freedom behind saying, oh, wait a second. So I don't have to be Elon Musk. Like that's the light bulb moment here. There are very few Elon Musks. I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. And there's, again, going back to the math, there's only like 0.00001% of people on the earth that are Elon Musks. So I don't know the math, but you get my point out there. There's freedom in what I'm saying to you. And if you realize this and you say, you know what, 20 people is all I ever want. Amen and hallelujah. Just build a 20-person company I've got a friend, he's masterful at building $10 million companies and then he sells them off. 10 million sell, 10 million sell. He tried to build a $100 million company and the whole thing collapsed. So it took him a failure to realize I'm a 10 million company guy. So please figure that one out so that the thing, so it doesn't get away from you and you're not stuck in misery building something bigger than what you should build.
1: So one of the common misconceptions, I think, is that people think they need to build this massive revenue company in order to generate the profits that they want. And I know you have a great example of this in the book.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, so there are companies that generate 1% profit, and there are companies that generate a 50% profit. I am proud to say my companies have all generated 50% profit, so it's possible look at the pharmaceutical industry, they generate 25% profits or did up until things maybe got a little more competitive software companies, 25% profit, you know, look at Microsoft, look at Apple, but then you've got retail companies that they fight like hell to generate a two and a half percent profit like a Walmart. So every business is different. So absolutely, it's much more about the bottom line than the top line. So you get to choose that. Typically, A service business tends to generate higher profit margins, but don't get so caught up into that. But just know that there are choices. There's this, you know, like rule of thumb out there that people talk about a 10% profit is the average. Certainly it's the average, but you got to understand retail and software are being rolled in that average. You are failing if your software company is only generating a 10% profit or if one of my companies generates a 10% profit. So it's all relative. So the point I say in all that is For some reason, you know, I'll have a lot of clients that say, I want to build a hundred million dollar company, hundred million dollar company. I'm like, no, you don't think about, do you really want to do it? Because if you build a hundred million dollar company that generates a 1% profit or a 50% profit, there's a world of difference. In the second scenario, you're making $50 million a year. In the first scenario, you're making a million dollars a year. So there's more to it than just saying, I want to build a hundred million dollar company.
1: You could have a two million dollar company with fifty percent margin and make the same amount of money, right? Hallelujah, Sometimes
0: just think about how much simpler the two million dollar company is than the hundred million dollar company. You know, with a thousand people compared to your two million dollar company with twenty five or forty people is a world of difference and a hell of a lot of money. So you mentioned your friend that is really
1: good at building $10 million companies and 100 was just not his thing. How do you know when the complexity of a business is just not your sweet spot versus feeling like you're backing away from growth or a challenge? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that.
0: Yeah. And I I just, this is going to be so overly simplistic, but it's just, are you having fun? Are you still having fun? It seems so simple, but are you still having fun? So I sold EOS worldwide as we were closing in on 200 people. There are now almost 500 people in that company. And that leadership team is having so much freaking fun as they're on their way to a thousand people. I want to puke. I look at that and I go, "Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I have nothing to do with that anymore. But they're having a blast. So are you having fun? I would not be having fun in that scenario. And so if all of a sudden you've got this $2 million company with one location and you're 25 great people and shoot forward in time, 10 years later, you've got seven locations and 150 people and you're freaking miserable. Somewhere between the 2 million and the whatever, you stop being happy. There's your (laughs) indicator that, wait a second, maybe this isn't for me. And I would suggest to you most of the time, You're just not equipped for it. It's not for you. It doesn't make you dumb or stupid or slow or anything like that. It's just not your thing. Sometimes it's just skill and you need to find a great coach, find a great mentor to give you the skill to go to the next level. But most of the time, again, if you go back to everything we're talking about, it's okay. And once you realize it's okay for me to be proud of this $2 million company and maximize that $2 million company and make an impact on the world, oh, there's so much freedom in that. Gino, I I
1: love your passion and you can tell that, you know, if you were still running the 500 person company, you probably wouldn't be here smiling, having so much fun doing this with me. Like you just, you live this. I'd be, I'd be
0: laying in bed every night going, oh, 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 I
1: mean, mean, (laughs) I'd be
0: miserable, miserable.
1: So, so last thing I want to talk about here is once you feel like you've checked the boxes, you've gone through these exercises and, and you're clear on what the vision is for what you want to build. How do you share that with the team? Like, how do you get everyone else on the same page?
0: Yeah, you know, and now you're getting into some EOS stuff here. And I touch on this in Entrepreneurial Leap. So it's in there, but it's all about keeping the circles connected. And, you know, in its simplest form, I urge you to meet with your people weekly, meet with them quarterly and then certainly annual and keep the circles connected. And so it's all about just communication over communication. So you'll see there's a tool in Entrepreneur Leap called My Vision Clarifier. Fill that out and share it with your people often. And then when you reach five or 10 employees, then shift to EOS and the Vision Traction Organizer, which is a much more robust tool for doing that. But tell them, the short answer is tell them. It's amazing how many entrepreneurs do not get that vision out of their brain and into their people's brain. They keep it a secret and everybody's just following them and their passion. You gotta tell them, tell your people the vision and the plan often, even if you're not sure, telling them, we'll put it to the test. They can challenge you and you'll get clear. So tell them is the short answer.
1: Simple answers, but powerful. So you're we- here. We've been teasing this all along, but you've got this great website, so many good tools on there. And one of them that goes through exactly what we covered through this session is My MyBizMatch. So before we got onto this call, I went through and did it myself. Uh, I went to the website, e-leap.com. I put my email in, signed up for My MyBizMatch, and it was just this simple multi-step tool where I got to pick the industries and the size and brainstorm ideas on what I really wanted to build, whether you're running a company or not. Such a simple exercise. So, I'll show you my results if I can pull Jeez. them up here. Yeah, I love it. This, this is my printout. So, it says, I want a business in software and apps that sells a low cost product and service to businesses. I will build my business to a billion plus. So, I am unfortunately one of those unicorn that's uh, okay. as,
0: as aspirations. That's okay
1: with 100 to 500 employees. So, I think that's where it's different. I don't want 10,000 people. I right. want to do this very efficiently. And, and that's what I'm striving towards. So, anyway. Great exercise. I recommend everybody go check it out. Is there anything else that you would suggest that they do, Gino?
0: Well, two things. First of all, a funny thought came to me. Wouldn't that be great if you filled it out and discovered that you should be building a horse farm with like 10,000 horses (laughs) and be a rancher? I mean, wouldn't that be mind-blowing all of a sudden you realize? Anyway, that's a funny thought I had. Maybe it's just funny to me. But um, (laughs) the only thing I would leave them with is to please go fill out my biz match. Do exactly what Chris just did. He wonderfully validated he's on the right horse in the right race. Please do that for yourself. And if not, it's a great awareness. And again, like we've talked about, you've got lots of time. And then in addition to that, go to the website e-leap.com. And there are a wealth of tools um, and information. Sign up for our weekly leap lessons. So just really tap into all this free, wonderful content. Uh, But e-leap.com is the epicenter of all things entrepreneurial leap.
1: So everyone listening to this playbook 2021 audience, Gino is pouring his life into this. He just wants to serve entrepreneurs and help people get started with this journey. So please go check it out. Get the book. It's a fantastic book. Send it to everyone that you know. Tell everybody to go fill this out if they have aspirations of being an entrepreneur. And for those of you that are running a business already, please take a step back every once in a while. And like Gino says, make sure you're on the right track. Make sure you're on the right horse, in the right race, and you can continue down that path to build the company that you're envisioning. Uh, If you're just getting started, go check out the other interview we did too, because Gino and I walked through the whole framework of the book, which is a fantastic intro to everything that you need to know about Entrepreneurial Leap. Gino, you already gave him the website. Anything else you want to say to to close this out? I think we've covered it all, Chris. (laughs) All right, so We started this talking about context and really everyone that's listening, that's what it is. It's just the context. What do you want to build? What is the business you want to build to make you happy? Like Gino said, it's as simple as that. We should be building businesses that we love showing up to. And if someday you wake up and you don't want to go into your business, go do this tool, run through the exercise and figure out what
0: you're going to build next. Thank you for listening to leap lessons with Gino Wickman. Gino is devoted to helping entrepreneurs in the making get a huge jumpstart when making the entrepreneurial leap. Are you ready to leap? Visit e-leap.com today to learn the simple path to starting a better startup.